the Eric Anders Lang Show. Henrik, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Glad we can make it happen. You, you've probably only been looking forward to it for like a, a couple days or a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, your career has a lot of highlights. My biggest highlight from your career is Magnolia Lane listening to Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you were easy to please then. (laughs) Well, it's just like something about that. I think a lot of how do you look at being serious on tour as a pro golfer? Because it seems like you have a different way of looking at it. Well, I I think uh, I mean when I'm playing, when I'm performing, I got I'm I'm very focused. I'm I'm into what I'm doing, and it kind of gives it that you know zoned in look and very serious look. But off the golf course, I I enjoy a good laugh. I uh, I mean, I, I would consider myself having a good sense of humor, but I mean, that's that's kind of personal, right? That's very subjective. Um, but uh, no, I like to have fun. I like a good laugh, a good joke, and practical jokes and practical what, jokes, whatnot. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of lot of things happened over the years, you know. What some highlights of your practical jokes? I have to know. Um, see which ones we can tell here, though. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is an unedited podcast. So. Yeah, <laughs> no, but uh, we played in in um, I think that was in Beijing years ago, and we went by this market. You can buy anything, and they had this electrical pen. I got I bought it, and I, I went around asked some of my fellow pros for for their email addresses, and when they hit the button, they got a nice little shock. You know <laughs> that, that that was kind of amusing. Uh, when I was a kid, one of my friends, his neighbor. They had the same same television, and we took their remotes and we hid outside their living room window in the evening when it was dark outside, and we started, you know, flipping the channels when when the when the man of the house was watching TV. Yeah, I mean, it, we we drove into the to the edge where we almost threw the TV out. You know, it's that that was kind of fun too. So I mean, there, there's been a few good ones. I, I can't come up with all here, but yeah, a little bit of a prankster every now and again. You started playing golf much later in life than most professional uh, golfers. What what happened? At 12 years old, you're like, I'm going to try this? It was just a coincidence. It was actually the same guy I did the remote uh, <laughs> prank with. His family played golf. He played golf. He was a year younger than me, so I guess he was around 10, 11, and I was 11, 12. Um, I played some other sports, but I never played golf. No one in my family played the game, and they were just heading out to the local golf course. They asked if I wanted to join. Um, I guess it was a five iron or seven iron or something, and I mean I made made some good contacts, obviously, because I, I I went home and I asked my parents for some clubs, and I said I wanted to start playing golf, and along we went. Have you heard that story from other people before? Obviously, not people who have grown to your level of success, but that's my story, right? Is I hit a ball once and I was like, I'm in. Yeah. And now it's my life. I'm I, I'm entertainment. But have you heard other people falling in love with the game so rapidly like that? Every now and again, but I mean, the most common way is, is that your parents play or some friend or something and they, they bring you along and, and you kind of get introduced that way. Uh, I wouldn't say my way of starting to play golf is, is a common way, but obviously I'm very, very lucky that it happened that way. I've had so much fun with it, even long before turning professional and making it my, my uh, livelihood and my life. Um, so it's, it's been an amazing journey. and. And I think that goes for a lot of people in a lot of different ways though. You, it's just a, a coincidence. You're at some place, being at the right place at the, at the right time and, and your life just takes a turn uh, 
and you end up somewhere completely different. So it, it's really been cool. You uh, you also turned pro a little late, weren't you? Like twenty three, I think. Yeah, seems about right. So, like, I mean, obviously, the day the age of turning pro is getting younger and younger, I guess. But uh, what what was what was that progression like? I mean, you pick up a club at twelve, and eleven years later, you're going to say that this is it. Like, this is yeah. I got when I was eighteen, I got onto the to the boys team, played played boys golf up up to eighteen for for Sweden, and then after that, I played amateur golf for another four years. So I felt like that was really good kind of school to go through and, and get the support from the federation. We were being sent around the world and, and around Europe playing uh, individual European championships, team European championships, and I uh, kind of crowned my amateur career by playing in the in the Eisenhower, the world amateur, uh, in 1998 in, in Santiago in Chile in South America. So uh, turned pro there, one of the other players on, on the team, it's a four-man team, he also turned pro and we played some some local uh, stuff in, in Argentina and and in South America. So then those were my first kind of price checks were in, in Buenos Aires. Uh, I think it was about 950 bucks. <laughs> uh, that was, and that felt, that felt big at the time. Yeah, I mean, you made money doing what you love. Do you, Sweden has a pretty thriving golf culture. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're about 10 million people. We got uh, 450,000 people who play golf, uh, about 600 golf courses, I think, in, you know, give or take uh, in those numbers. So, um, yeah, it's a big sport. It's a popular sport. Uh, I think in, in, in the general population's uh, eye, it's, it's always been like ice hockey and, and soccer or football, as we call it. Uh, they've probably been the, the main ones and, and cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, those have been historically the, the strong uh, sports, but a lot of people play golf and follow the game, so it, it's quite big back home. Yeah, I mean, even without having uh, a winter season, really, right? I mean, can you play any golf in the winter anywhere in Sweden? In the southern part, if it's a mild winter, I mean, I'll, you can argue what, what's playing golf, what, what conditions are good <laughs> to play golf in. I, I normally compare it with, uh, say, New York or something like that. I, I, I think we're fairly close to yeah. being on the same kind of, uh, what do you say? La latitude, latitude or longitude? Or, yeah. Parallel. Yeah, exactly. We, we're kind of on the same wavelength. And uh, uh, so I'd say April through October is, is the main season. So it's, it's not super long, but it's not short either. So it's, it's long enough. And when you're a kid, I think it's it's good to do other sports uh, for developing as an athlete and, and and also get your mind onto something else. So I think the season is long enough to to progress and and you can do some other sports in the winter time. Um, let's just go to Trun. Okay. <laughs> How many days a week do you think about the Open? Uh, these days, I mean, it's three years down the line. It it, it doesn't feel that long ago, but. Uh, some time has, has definitely passed and every now and again and when I'm in my office in, in Orlando, I'm, I mean I got the Claret Jug up in the in the corner there so of course uh, and, and I get asked about it every now and again and I guess every week that I play someone would say oh great final round of Troon and well done. And every week? Yeah more or less someone's going to mention it so it, it's kind of hard to forget and I don't want to forget it either but at the same time you, I'm, I'm still playing, trying to win tournaments, and you can't live in the past, uh, but every now and again it's, it's nice to look back at those uh, those four days in, in Scotland three years ago and how well I played and, and the great battle I had with Phil and 
and everything that came with it. So no question, that was a dream come true, uh, the, the biggest achievement and dream of my career. So uh, very happy to have been, been able to, to live through that. I'm sure that, um, let's see, you didn't watch Tom Watson's duel live because you weren't born yet. No. But <laughs> hard to see it. Maybe you were one years old, I think, or something like that. Uh, you were born in seventy six. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. There was seventy seven. Yeah. yeah. So you were one. Yeah. But you must have learned of this round. Did it mean anything to you at any point in your life? I've seen some some highlight footage. Uh, I remember them. Um, some of the some of the blows that they were trading and and coming up the last hole and so on. But I hadn't seen it in full, and uh, it was just kind of you know in the back of your mind. You hear about this great duel that they had, and and uh, yeah, that that, w that was kind of about pretty much it for for me. And yeah. uh, and then the the battle I had with Phil very much got compared to it. And and uh, yeah, that's something I'm very very proud of. Uh, winning the Open was was great. And don't get me wrong, I would have taken 72 against Phil 73 any day <laughs> of the week just to get my hands on a Claret Jug. But it, it, it means more when. When you manage to to play the level of golf that we did, and and I, there's no question, I wouldn't have done that if Phil wasn't there to push me. I wouldn't have gone out and shot 63. I mean, that's just one of those rare mo moments when you really push each other on, and we were both playing great, and just turned into into great fights, and um, it just gives that extra sparkle to to winning the Claret Chug, um, breaking the championship record, and. And, and playing one of my best rounds or the best round ever when, when it mattered the most. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the stuff that you, you think about in your dreams, really. Yeah, you tied the best round ever in a major. No, you had the best round ever, best total score in a major and best final round in a major tied. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so have you talked with Tom Watson at all about this? No, I just uh, I received uh, some very nice uh, letters and, and comments uh, from from some of the games, uh, great, uh, all of the games, great, really. Uh, whether it was from Tiger to to Jack Nicklaus, uh, Jack sent me a handwritten letter, and, and you know, uh, yeah, I got that one. I got it in my office. That's classy. <laughs> yeah, and and Gary Player. Uh, from Arnie's team, and yeah, it was, and, and, and also from Tom. So I, I mean, I, we received so much uh, praise for for the for the level of golf that we played. So that was very, very nice of them to to do that. So I talked with Tom last week, and I said, you know, how do you rank uh, Carnoustie in '77? I mean, you know, it was Turnberry. A, yeah, oh, sorry, Turnberry in '77. Thank you. <laughs> Cut that out. Um, <laughs> how do you rank that? And he said, well, it was good. But it wasn't as good as Phil and Henry. I was pretty stunned. I mean, I like you wasn't alive for that round, and you know, it's kind of a coincidence for me because I mean, I actually can't stop thinking about Troon because it was a moment for me in my golf career where I had started playing golf six years prior when I was thirty, and my my best friend and I woke up early. We were in L.A., so it was like the crazy time change. Yeah, we had bagels. We turned it on. You know, I work with a lot of pro golfers. I interview them. People say, who's your favorite golfer? I don't, I try not to answer that because it's uncomfortable, but as a Swede. It's kind of easy now, though. It, it, now it's very easy. <laughs> yeah. But as a, you know, you're. Who's it, your favorite golfer? <laughs> 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 but, you know, I mean, I, I, as a Swedish heritage, right, I've been to Yotebori several times. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love it there. Um, you know, I, I admire your sense of humor, but also your seriousness on the golf course. Uh, you know, I, I don't need to blow any more smoke up your ass, but <laughs> but the point is, is that, <laughs> is that that day was like, it, the, the strange thing that you may not realize is that that day was a day for me and for other people. And so I imagine it must be strange people come up to you and they say, great round at Troon. And you're like, that was years ago, man. Like, I'm trying to play golf today. Yeah. But it's tough for us because we all live back in that, moment where you did what every golfer, amateur, professional, wants to do, which is just play the best, play out of their brain. Yeah. No, it was, I mean, it is a very special memory and, and it's going to be with me for the rest of my life, so I'm very proud of it. And, and uh, it's kind of fun when, when you hear the impact or how, how caught up people we're getting watching it. I mean, because, oh, yeah, we're, yeah we're, we're, we're athletes, we're, we're sports people and and we would play for, for other people's enjoyment and entertainment as well. So when you manage to deliver something that special, that it's like you hear fans saying, oh, I couldn't stop watching it, and best round of golf I've ever seen, and, and all those things. I mean, you, yeah, you, yeah, you walk a bit taller, and, yeah. and, you, and you're very, very proud about it. So, um, all right, so I'm happy I could, <laughs> I could in, interfere your bagel breakfast in LA, yeah. So two last questions about it. Uh, do you remember at what point you stopped looking at the scoreboard? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's the, one, the one thing that stands out for me is that I come off, I've obviously make the birdie on the last, to make the putt on the last, and me and Phil walks off, we sit down in the recording area and we're looking up and they got the two monitors, one with my scorecard and one, one with his, and I mean, I just look up and it's like, whoa, four birdies in the last five holes. It didn't even strike me when I was out there playing, so that tells me I was in, I was in the zone mentally, I mean, I was in in the right place of mind, uh, right frame of mind. I, I was I was just playing one shot at a time and giving it my all every, so I didn't even reflect how many birdies I made coming in. Um, but also the moment when I was on the 14th green, I had about a 15, 20 footer, whatever it was, 15 footer for birdie. And I said to him, I remember saying to myself, well, Phil's not going anywhere. I mean, if you want to win this thing, you better make chances like these because coming in true and it's not the easiest finish. And um, I had a great chance there, and I knocked that one in, and then I make that 51-footer on the next off the fringe, which is amazing. And I think at that, up until that point, Phil probably felt like, okay, I can get one back. But yeah, I think looking at the footage when I watched it afterwards, he looks a little paler when I make that 51-footer because I think he, he probably realized that, ooh, well, okay, time's running out now, and I'm two behind. And then when it's your day. His eagle attempt on 16 is, is like crazy. I mean, it's like one half revolution. It glances over the edge, and then I make my four and a half, five footer for birdie to stay two ahead, and, and yeah, we managed to to uh, to make another birdie there on 18. But it was yeah, it's small margins. I mean, you play three and a half, four days, and it just comes down to one shot or one putt, and that's the difference between winning it and, and finishing second sometimes. So. I, for me, one of the most nerve-wracking moments was the final few feet of your drive on 18. It was only three wood. The, yeah, it was only three wood, <laughs> but you almost reached the bunker. I mean, yeah, it just, I, was, I don't know how it stopped. I thought it went in. Uh, from where we stand on that back tee, I can't see. There's a little bit of a, a swale down or a little dip down there, and I just saw it disappear, and I looked at my cat. I said, 
did that just go in the bunker because I mean it was like 300 and I don't know 20 yards to that bunker or something I mean adrenaline is is obviously up here and was it downwind for you that day it wasn't really downwind I just hit this like rocket and pushed it a little bit and you can tell because I hit wedge second shot and I think Phil hit like a cut up three wood and I think he hit seven irons I mean I got I got my three wood like 40 yards ahead of him I think uh, luckily it stayed short and I hit it in there and make the putt as a bonus. I didn't know it was for the championship uh, record. You didn't I'm, even know? When, when I made that one, no. Uh, I, I just yeah, thought I'd, I'd finish in style. I'll try and finish in style by making it, and we did. Um, I'll get to style in a second, but it, I'm going to use some of this for this film I'm making for the RNA about uh, the journey from uh, Prestwick to Portrush. But, you know, what? As you've gone from being a you know a non-golfer to an amateur golfer to professional golfer to the champion golfer of the year, how has your definition of yourself changed over the years? Well, I think uh, I don't know if I look at myself that much different compared to earlier. I mean, I feel like pretty much I'm, I'm the same guy. I'm I'm, I'm busier. Uh, I've, I've had a very successful career. I mean, I'm so. Looking back at it, I mean, I'm not. I'm, I don't feel like I'm done yet. I, I got a few more things I want to try and try and achieve. A few more tournaments I want to try and win. But when I just sit back and relax and, and take it all in a little bit, I mean, the journey that I made is is amazing. Uh, and and quite a few guys with me out here have had the same the same kind of luxury to to do that and and. Uh, to, to play the sport that you love, to, to travel the world, see all the places, meet all the people, and and be be good at what you do is uh, is, is truly something special, and that's kind of what you what you start thinking about. I think later on you don't think about that when you're 30, but I'm 43 now and I had a had a had a long career, so uh, you start appreciating some other things as well. And like a pebble, a couple of weeks ago, you're playing there and and. It kind of hits you a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to play another championship here. Now I played the one in 2010, and I'll play the US Open in 2019. I mean, that was probably my last US Open at Pebble. So you get a little bit more, yeah, kind of emotional, or you, you start thinking in, in different ways when when you're kind of on the back nine of, of your career a little bit. So uh, yeah, I think it, it changes you. The way, the way you look at your career and, and the game changes with, with time, but. Uh, for me as a person, no, I don't know if I've changed that much really, and and if success changed you, and and so, no, I, I don't feel like it. You've traveled all over the world from a very young age for golf. Um, what has it taught you about where you grew up? Yeah, being being very fortunate to to grow up in in Sweden, where where you can, I mean you. Obviously, stable environments. Uh, everyone or most people, they 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 got a they got a good home, and and you got schools, and you can play sports, and yeah, all the all the stuff that you want to do. So uh, yeah, that stability obviously means a lot, and and um, provides a lot of opportunities that you might not get in in other parts of the world. So uh, yeah, lucky to have been brought up in Sweden and had the chance to play sports. How different is golf in Sweden from, you know, all the other places in the world that you played? I think in in Sweden it's very accessible. So and that's why we uh, managed to get so many good male and female players over over the years. Because 
you've got the little clubs with little junior practices and it's quite accessible in terms of how, how cheap it is to be a member and, and to get out there and play the game and then once you get a bit more serious you you can progress to the next level all the way up until the national level and, and then eventually turn pro so there's always tournaments to play there's always support to get and and, and the next level to, to get on to so uh, for a small country with a somewhat limited season we we created a lot of a lot of good golfers and and not just in golf but as a sporting nation given 10 million people I think we we really made our mark on, on, on sports all around the world. So that, I think that's something to be very, very proud of as, as a Swedish uh, athlete. Folks, you've heard me talk about it, and I'm not talking about... Never mind. I'm talking about Precision Pro. You've heard me talk about them. I got a chance to meet these guys. I went out to Cincinnati. I spent, the, I spent four years with them in one week. It was incredible. Anyway, uh, what's the main thing that golfers have in their bag that they're going to use most during a round. I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a putter. I'm not talking about your favorite iron. I'm not talking about your right arm to flag the beverage cart. I'm talking about your rangefinder. All golfers need a rangefinder that they can trust to know the precise distance in their target for nearly every shot, whether you're on the tee box or in the fairway. That's true. I've Honestly, I've thought about using it for putting just so I can be super accurate because putting is obviously lagging a little bit. Getting a phone call, folks. Um, anyway, I carry the NX9 HD Rangefinder by Precision Pro Golf. It's easy to use, incredibly fast, and most importantly, it gives me the exact yardage to my target so I can choose the right club and swing with confidence. I actually love pulling it out. People are like, what is that? I'm like, it's Precision Pro. Get down with the green and blue, my guy. Green and gray, I mean. Um, not to mention, Precision Pro offers free battery replacement services for the life of your rangefinder. We all know how annoying it is to run out of batteries, but you get an extra one when you get it, and then you get rangefinder batteries throughout the, like I said, life of your rangefinder. So you're not only getting a rangefinder, you're signing up for a lifetime service. So really, it just depends on how long you live. And at that point, that's where the podcast sort of, that's where it just drops off, and it's up to you at that point. Live healthy, obviously. Play, Don't play golf in lightning. Uh, don't don't shoot adventures in golf, because that that we've talked about that with my insurance company, and it does decrease my lifespan. But, you know, it increases the benefits, and we all have fun. We've all signed up. Me and the crew have all signed. Uh, it's like an NDA for your life. Good news. The NX9 HD Rangefinder is on sale for $40 off. Even better, listeners of the podcast can receive an extra $10 off by using the coupon code ERIC, E-R-I-K, at checkout. Go to precisionprogolf.com and use the coupon code ERIC at checkout for $50 off the NX9 HD Rangefinder today. Swing with confidence. Hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. All right, got a very, very special read from you. One read that fits into three stripes, because you know how much I love the three stripes, and I'm very excited to share something with you. Who knows what that'll be? Some secrets, maybe? Some secrets in the dirt? No. Adidas took their knit game to a whole new level, and honestly, I've actually, I wore these just the other day, and I was pretty comfortable and pretty tethered to the ground. Anyway, um, have you seen the new Tor 360 XT Prime Knit that was just released? Um, it's the first waterproof knit that they've ever had. So what you get there is a lot of flexibility around your little old feet, or big old feet, depending on what size your foot is, obviously. Although your foot may be big in stature, but not so much in, you know, it, you can have a big foot but still have a small size. You know what I mean? Anyway, they come with a one-year waterproof warranty and three fresh new colorways so you can stand out on the course. 
It's important to stand up. Sometimes if your golf game, no, anyway, uh, it's built on the XT traction sole, so you get amazing grip, but it's still lightweight and comfortable. That is true. Anyway, head over to adidas.com slash US slash golf to snag a pair and follow Adidas Golf on Instagram and Twitter to stay updated on all of their newest releases. Until then, see you out there looking fresh. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. Um, you're a righty golfer, right-handed golfer. You're wearing your, is that a Royal Oak on your hand? Yep. Nice watch. Thank you. You're wearing it on the right hand because you're a lefty. Yeah. Why are you? Why do you play golf right-handed? Um, so when I was a kid, we played. I didn't play ice hockey, but we played a lot of street hockey. So we always had the, the hockey sticks, a tennis ball. We built our own goals and had matches uh, uh, with with my neighbors and, and the other kids in the neighborhood. So uh, for some reason, yeah, I'm left-handed. That felt natural. And uh, when I picked up a golf club, I, I guess. It felt very natural to, to fire the same way, so uh, I think that's the right way to do it, to have your, your dominant hand on top of the club. I've heard this, you know Sir Bob Charles, mm-hmm. uh, New Zealand golfer, yeah. he won the Open a couple times. Yeah, I um, actually played with him in my first Open at uh, Royal Lidham in 2001. Did you talk to him about righty versus lefty? Uh, no, I, he I goes, know he's a He's, he's a on lefty. and on about it. He says he's not lefty. He says I'm righty. Okay. <laughs> But he's right-handed, though. No, no, he he plays left-handed yeah. from a traditional perspective, but he feels like he plays right-handed because, like you said, his dominant hand is pulling the club. Yeah. I don't feel it's the same way, though. I mean, Phil is right-handed, playing lefty. Yeah. So you, he, he had he had a different... Uh, I think he, he looked at his dad in, in a mirror or something in, to learn the game, I think, yeah. for Nicholson. Something like that. Yeah. Is golf the most important thing in your life? Um... It has been, but I'd say uh, I'd say family is is more important than than golf at this point. How do you manage that with such a demanding schedule? Yeah, it is quite tricky. Um, I mean, the if, if you ever gonna mention the word sacrifice, I mean, we get to do what we love. Like I said, travel the world, play the best golf courses, uh, get paid nicely from, to do it, and, and have great opportunities, but anyone no matter what what way of career or I mean if you're traveling 30 weeks a year you, you're gonna be away from you from your your family a lot and miss out on a lot of things in your kids life and so that that would be the the hardest thing I think at this point um, sitting in a hotel room somewhere when you feel like you could be home sharing some good times with with your kids or taking them to soccer practice or golf practice or whatever it might be um, so that that's the that's the downside with what we do but also it creates a lot of opportunities and and um, it is a bit of a juggle like everyone knows um, playing uh, practicing traveling competing family time vacations with the family sponsors media oh, I mean it is a it is a puzzle I got some great help uh, from my management team and my PA and everyone else to, to try and coordinate things as, as well as, as we can. Time management, both for my practice and, and the things that we do off the golf course is, uh, 
is key to to make sure that we get everything in and then then we've got some other business interests as well that we that takes a bit of time and and but then I think when you're doing something that you, that you really like to do uh, it's not going to be as much as a burden either I mean you can sometimes you you spend time but it actually gives you energy if you enjoy it it's it's going to make it a, a lot easier as well so I'm trying to have a even though I'm a perfectionist and I can get down on myself quite a lot, it's, it's still uh, important to, to try and keep a, a positive. Uh, I mean, if you're going to have to do something for an hour, you could either feel like it's a pain to do it or you can actually enjoy the hour and then I think it's going to go, go by a lot quicker. Like this hour. What? <laughs> I, I knew there was a joke coming in there about this experience. Um, you, what is it? you said you get down on yourself. What does that look like? I mean, I don't. You, we don't get to see that. No, I'm just. Uh, I'm, I'm just a perfectionist. Uh, I think most people who are successful will have a strain of that. I mean, you don't want to make bad interviews or have the camera being unfocused or anything. I mean, I'm the same. I want to hit good golf shots. I want to play play the game as as good as I can, as close to perfection as as I feel I can. And and uh, I picked a pretty pretty difficult sport to do that. I mean, in, in bowling, you can, you can have your three hundred, right? Here you, you can always go one better. You can always hit it better. You, you're never going to be finished with this. Uh, not saying that you're going to be finished with with bowling. You, you, if you have one three hundred, you want to have another one. But um, it, it's a, it can be a frustrating game. It's uh, yeah. So it's to balance what's good enough and and not trying to get even better sometimes and actually accept where you're at and try and play good with with kind of where you're at at the moment with with the different parts of your game and, and accepting that rather than, oh, it needs to be better, it needs to be better. But at the same time, that's what drives you to become better. So right. it's it's a bit of a balance, but I, I expect a lot from myself and from the people in my surroundings. Uh, but I, I hope that I'm the, I'm the harshest towards myself and, and uh, not towards the people around me. What is the like hardest part of the job what's the part that you're just like i hate this part you know what i mean i think uh, when you're sitting there and, and traveling and you get major delays and lost luggage and and all that kind of stuff it it doesn't happen too often but every now and again it, it could happen on on long-haul flights and and I mean, I, I think you sometimes you can just sense it. It's like that first little thing, and and the snowball just starts rolling, and then the the half an hour delay that they're announcing turns into two hour, and then yeah, and then you have a technical on the plane, and then you have to stay until tomorrow, and it's just like <laughs> yeah, it can just go from from bad to worse. So um, I think yeah, that it's not as sexy to be out traveling as as it was and staying in a, in a hotel room as it was fifteen twenty years ago. Exactly. It, it's almost like it gets harder. But it's, if the irony is, is that, you know, I mean, people don't think, it doesn't look that way. Like the way, the way we use the world now with social media, I feel like it looks like, oh, what a, this guy's having a great life. And meanwhile, you're just like, no. Every time I fly, it gets more and more annoying because you're just, you're, I don't know. Like I went to the airport the other day and I was like, I'm in a zoo. <laughs> I'm in a zoo right now, you know, and it's just like people are going crazy and it's almost like the better you get at traveling, the worse everybody else gets. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like everyone's just walking into each other. Security can take a while yeah. and yeah, check-in can be a, a mayhem, yeah. Do you have a quote that you say to yourself that you think about? Well, I mean, we, with 
with a lot of the things that we're discussing here is still third world or first no not third world problems it's first world problems right so i mean there's there's always going to be people a lot worse off than, than you being frustrated at, at security right or losing your luggage it's but as we know as as, as human beings we kind of zone in on what's there in front of us at the moment and it's the same on the golf course i mean a bogey compared to someone who just ended up in hospital or got a got the notice that they have a, a bad disease or something then making a bogey is pretty insignificant do, so but do you actually think about that on the golf course do you make no, a bogey? no i don't think you can i don't think you can you have to be caught up in what you're doing but sometimes it's good to take a step back and and uh, especially when if yeah if if, if you kind of feel like you're going in the wrong direction with that, it's good to take a step back and take a breath and kind of, okay, it's not that bad. Do you feel like part of that though is Swedish culture teaching you correctly? Because I feel like as an American, you don't learn that. They're just like, you know, kill or be killed. Yeah, I think we, we might have a little bit more kind of patience in, in, the, in the upbringing, if you're talking sports and, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's important, but if it doesn't work today, I mean, you, you still got the process kind of to become better. And if you do the right things over time, you will, you will eventually get the get the the results, and you will get the good stuff. Um, so yeah, you you want to have a like a competitive attitude, but it doesn't have, need to happen today. Though I mean, you you got time as well. Work on 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 the right things over time, and you will have success. So a bit of patience is good too. Um, what uh in in golf itself, what do you find to be the most gratifying uh, experience aside from like winning? You know, I mean, we're talking like like is it flush contact? Is it exactly what you wanted? Is it a putt? Is it you know what what do you really enjoy the most? I think uh, we touched a little bit on that earlier. That we're true and being able to, to kind of perform at your highest level when when you wanted the most. I think that's something that's very gratifying and and. Uh, but I still, I'm a competitor, but I also like to practice. I like the, that side of, I mean, you're standing there for half an hour in a bunker on a pitching green or something, and, and it's like, you know what you're looking for, and then, okay, I nailed it. That's, that's the shot that I, that I want. And then, of course, to, to do it more, more often, and then to be able to, to bring that out, and, and you hit that shot in the competition, that you know, okay, yeah, this is exactly the one I was kind of practicing two months ago and then now I have the opportunity and you pull it off then you get I mean you might be in 25th position but you still know like that that was the shot I wanted to hit and and so the execution side of that doesn't always have to be I mean it's, it's fun to win ugly as well you hit a clunky five iron into the middle of the green and you two part but it's it's going to feel better if you hit that high cut shot that just drops down and you make the birdie on, on the last to win by one I mean that's and that, that's kind of the exciting stuff. Would you rather uh, hit a bad shot with a good result or a good shot with a bad result? Knowing myself, I'd probably go for the good shot with a slightly worse result, which is which is crazy. But I think that's the perfectionist. Uh, uh, I, w I want it to be to be done in what, what I consider the the right way for for me. But at the same time, I mean, I'll I'll take a I'll take a clunky five iron and, and make the putt and win get the trophy that's fine too do you uh when you um are on the range like 
can you walk me through what is going through your head? Like like the last time you were on the range and you were working on something. Are you looking at your wrist? I mean, you got fresh memory cards and all the <laughs> all the cameras. I mean, <laughs> what goes on in your mind? It's like, oof, how much time do we have? Um, I mean, for me now, is I'm I'm actually trying to make things simpler. I, I I tend to complicate things a bit, and again, I think that's the perfectionist and. You're always constantly trying to get better and, and, and so on, but uh, it's a game. Mentally, you got to keep it simple to, to play your best. You, you can have one swing thought or one feeling or something. When it gets too many things in there, it's... So for me, I'm, I'm more kind of working more on basics and trying to declutter rather than, than adding, adding things. Um, I'm, a, I'm a field player. Even though I want to be a robot, I have... I'm, I'm still a field player so much kind of gets down to the fields and 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 also the the difficult part is not chasing those feelings because the feeling that you had when you were playing good that that's really a consequence of of the things that you were doing that eventually gives you a feeling but then when we're not getting it we try and try and chase the feeling and then you can get really lost and tangled up so um, we always talk about going back to basics and that's probably one thing I haven't been good enough to, you know, set up and aim and get all those things. Really? Yeah, letting that slip sometimes. Uh, Literally aim. Yeah, sometimes a little little basic stuff that I mean I, I try and stay on top of it, but yeah, and it's like oh it doesn't feel right here. I'm not coming in, so then it's easy to go go down the the wrong path really. So keeping to basics uh, is certainly uh, something I, I have to remind myself of quite quite a lot. If someone told you that if you switch to playing lefty and you could win three more majors versus maintaining righty and only winning seven regular tournaments, what would you do? I'd switch in a heartbeat. I mean, <laughs> majors are the ones that we that we want to to get. It's the ultimate prize in in our sport, and and um, yeah, I'll I'll take majors over. I mean, I'll take one major over five regular tournaments with with what I managed to achieve up until today. Um, Winning never gets old. I'd, I'd, I'd love to win again and win more, win more tournaments, but I'd, I'd certainly trade a, a few regular tournament wins uh, for another major, no question. Um, they're, they're very special, so uh, yeah. Well, uh, but I know if I switch, you'll beat me every day. I'm, I'm no good playing lefty. Really? Yeah. I, I, had a, I had a vision that I could play of 18, but i kind of given up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I turn the club around and I hit it off the toe, right, right here, I'll be better at that. I think. Um, when you were eleven, did you? What did you want to do? I mean, you must have had a totally different plan for your life. I mean, fifth grade. I don't know if you. Yeah, uh, I mean, when you're eleven, do you think about your life that much? I think you you wake up and you think about what you're going to do today, and that you have to go to school, and you'd be pissed off with your parents that you have to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're just thinking about what you're going to do when school's over. Uh, no, I, 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 actually, so. I actually kind of liked school to, to a degree, though. I liked, I liked some, some of the subjects, for sure. Uh, what subjects? Math. Uh, yeah, we got to play some sports. Uh, I think history and geography. And, yeah, some, yeah, you always learn something, right? So, yeah, school's a good thing, that's for sure. But so I think my focus was on... on, on Playing sports after after school, and that that's kind of what occupies your mind, and and um, yeah, I think I was I was looking forward to that a lot every day. Um, I feel like I'm 
I feel like I have no more questions. I feel like I'm done. No, you, you're, it, done. you're done. I feel We've like I've emptied you. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I could come up with more. But uh, do you have any questions for me? Um, so you said you started playing golf when you were 30. 30, and I'm 38. Okay, so that's quite late. What got you into the game then? My brother. Yeah. Similar to your neighbor, like he just was like, "Do you want to play golf?" And I was like, "Nah." And then I was like, "You know what? I'll try it." Okay. And I hit one good shot, and I was like, "Whoa." And you play every week? I play all the time. Yeah? That's all I do. As much as you can. So yeah. you're like completely hooked. Yeah, no, like I, I, this is all I do. Like all I do is I do this podcast, I make golf videos, I travel around, I play golf. Try different courses. And yeah, I actually was, I, 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 your, your course is opening. Yeah. When? Yeah. Uh, we, they're going to have like a pre-opening. They got the club championship in early August. And then um, we're having the other one, I think it's the 12th. 12th of uh, September, maybe? Yeah, or I think. 14th or it, so. Yeah, it's around there. Mid, Mid-September, we're opening the first course. Uh, so I'm, I'm super excited about that. I mean, golf course design, uh, I played so many good courses. I played a lot of bad courses, too. Um, and, and you develop with uh, with all the all the competitions you played, you know, different setups and different holes you like. And so I think I, I got a pretty good mix of, of things I want to try and put into golf course design. So I'm, I'm really excited about this project in Stockholm and, and uh, seeing the first finished product and, and getting the reviews if they, <laughs> if they like it or not. And, and um, yeah, I think we, we succeeded pretty well with that one. I'm excited. I'll check it out eventually. I think that weekend there was uh, some type of scheduling. I can't remember what it was, but I am excited to get out there. Yeah, if you've only been to Gothenburg, I'm, I'm from Gothenburg, that's where yeah. I was, was born and raised until I was about uh, 15. Then I moved further down south, uh, just Malmö. north of Malmö, across from, from Copenhagen in Denmark. And, and that's where we, we go back in the summertime, so my family's there now. When kids are out of school in Florida, they make the move over and spend 10, 11 weeks, get the Swedish summer. Uh, but Stockholm, even though I'm not from there, I have to say it's a beautiful city. So you need you need to go and visit. And, and I've been to Stockholm once, but I haven't. Yeah. I've never played golf in Sweden. Okay, well we need to change that. You need to come and I would try love out that. A few other. We courses. should play your course. Yeah, yeah. What do you? What uh, what time? What kind of time do you take off in the fall? I'll uh, well, given how busy it is, I've, I've I'm playing two schedules. I'm playing PGA Tour, European Tour, and it's a bit of a merry-go-round. I don't think I've had more than five weeks, maybe six, in between seasons for the last ten years. Whoa! So we don't have much of an off-season. So I try and portion out a few, few little blocks. So when I do the course opening there mid-September, I play Wentworth uh, the week after, right? And then I probably have uh, three, three and a half weeks off. So that that'd be like a little mini off season and then I go on a on a traveling uh, run at the end of the year that we've got some Asian tournaments uh, PGA Tour European Tour and, and maybe South Africa Dubai uh, playing in Hong Kong uh, for the first time I'm, I'm excited about that one too in Hong Kong at the yeah. uh, HSBC no HSBC one is That's in Shanghai, Shanghai. Shanghai and then the Hong Kong Open I've all, all my years on tour I never played in, in Hong Kong and Believe it or not, this next week in, in Northern Ireland is the first time I play golf in Northern Ireland. Really? So I went over to have a look at Portrush uh, Sunday, Monday this, this last weekend. And yeah, the 18 I played on the Monday at Portrush. That's the first time I've ever played golf in Northern Ireland uh, over all these years. So there's still a first, even though I feel like a seasoned veteran, there's still first <laughs> to, to do and, and places to see. And, and um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a great open. 
Was it just me? I played Portrush two weeks ago. Yeah. Was it just me or was that course tough? I heard some of the guys said before that, yeah, it's pretty, pretty easy. And I was like, no, no, I'm out there. If it starts blowing, I mean, even some of the easier or supposedly easier holes, shorter holes, I still find them very tricky. Uh, the one thing that struck me was a lot of the, a lot of the green complexes were more elevated oh. than I expected and, and bigger runoffs than normally on links. And yeah. if it gets windy, I, I feel like you still need to flight the ball up into the air to get onto the green. To and, stop it. And uh, there were some really tough holes out there. I think the fourth is a tough hole. Yeah. It's still got the, and the, the first. Par five and with the, the first, tiny little green. Yeah, and the first is, uh, I mean, it's a short hole, but they got that out of bounds. You got, all you're seeing, I mean, it's not a good good thing in your mind when you're stepping out, it's like, oh, it's out of bounds, out of bounds both left and right. Yeah. The second got out of bounds down, out of bounds down the right. The fourth, the same, and, and then 18th. Uh, so it's yeah. a bit more uh, white stakes than, than normal, I'd say, for links. And, and the uh, rough is like up to your knee. Yeah. I mean, you'll be able to find your ball, but even if you can, it's like, I don't... It's you a hack your... out most of the time. You can get lucky in certain areas, I can, I can guess, but overall, you got to hit the fairways and, and yeah. then you have the normal uh, challenge of how much does it bounce, where does it bounce, you got pot bunkers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta maneuver a way around that. I don't think it's gonna be a low-scoring Open Championship. No, no, yeah. unless it's flat calm, because then most links courses gonna present a fair amount of birdie chances. But with a bit of wind and some tricky pins, <laughs> a couple under a day, you'll be laughing. I think. Right. Yeah. I can't wait, man. Um, well, I should have fun in Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna enjoy that. That's uh, that's the last tournament, most likely, I play this year. That's in. I think that last week in November, okay. so uh, a long ways out, but that'd be that'd be a fun one. I hear that's a lot of people. That's their favorite city in in, in Asia. Yeah, uh, it's 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 um it's like almost not a very Asian city in some sense because it's so uh, British inspired from, from yeah from the kind of British rule over the over yeah. the city for for so many years. But do you like uh, race car games like video games? I'm not a big gamer. I'm not either, but it feels like you're in a race car video game. Okay. When you drive through the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. And there's good, there's yeah. some great golf there. Yeah, good golf, good restaurants. Um, yeah. That's another fun thing when you're traveling the world, all the different types of food. Are you, are you adventurous with, with trying new food? Or? I don't go too crazy. I, no? I, yeah, I mean, I feel like my life is pretty adventurous as it is, so I usually try to just, you know, why do you eat like raw eel and stuff? Not the eel, but um, I mean, up until I guess I was 30, I never really tried sushi. So oh. I mean, why well, eat sushi? In the, in the last 15 years, uh, 12, 15 years, I, I've certainly eaten more sushi than I had ever <laughs> done before. So I like that. But I, yeah, I like I like food from all over. I mean, yeah. Swedish food is not, yeah, it's a lot of cooked food, and it used to be like cooked lunch, cooked dinners, and heavier stuff. But um, I mean, the variations of having food from all over the world you can have italian one night you can have a steak you can have asian food it's yeah, i like variety and and uh, when you're traveling you can you can you can get most food so that, that's kind of a plus do you i noticed a desk out front here are they making dinner reservations for you is that is that what that is we can eat in the they turn the players lounge here into uh, into a restaurant at night so okay. uh, that's where i'm gonna have dinner tonight with uh, one of my coaches we're gonna grab a meal up there oh cool so, so you just hang out, you have dinner, and then you, what do you, watch a movie, go to bed? FaceTime yeah, with the kids? Yeah, 
pretty much pretty much it when when you're working i've i've had uh, a couple of long days here traveling and what you know mapping out the course at, at portrush for two days and coming here some obligations and practicing in the rain and yeah we'll see i think we're going to be wet for most of the week uh, yeah. weekend looks a little nicer but uh, yeah it's saying a lot of rain but hopefully it kind of comes and goes a little bit if you get showers that's better than it's just like constant downpour that's that's a bit miserable yeah what do you otherwise i love being outside as much as we are playing you're outside every day i'm, I'm not a person that would enjoy sitting inside um, inside an office uh, you know five days a week six days a week so that's that's enjoyable but there's the odd day when when it's pouring down it's like yeah inside is not that bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah you just visualize the sauna basically because yeah. it's cold rain here it's yeah. not just they rain. say normally that you know it's summer because the rain is warm but <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it didn't feel that warm today um well thank you for taking the time to talk to me i appreciate yeah. it no thank you that's been fun thank you all right, all right.